0: So so let's do this. I know that there are many here who have served, but I thought we could just take a moment. If you're active military or in reserves, could you just stand and we could just say thank you tonight? Could you just stand where you are? Come on. Thank you. Thank you. Well, happy Memorial Day weekend, huh? We're actually going camping this weekend. I'm still not sure what I think about that. So I guess I'm going to find out soon enough, right? <laughs> I like for there to be a thermostat on the wall and movies on demand on the TV. But I don't think they have that at Newport News Park, do they? Mike's going, no. Oh, there may be gunfire for raccoon wonders into my campsite. Just, if something flashes across your Wavy News 10 app, it could be me. Just Just so you know. Hey, I just wanted to share this with you. You know, we do... Uh, faith promise every year which is uh, for our church it's something we all do together where we pray Uh, God gives us a number and we believe by faith that he's going to provide that somehow some way we don't know where it's going to come and then we make a promise that when he does that we give that to the faith promise initiative and every year for the last few years we've raised over thirty thousand dollars come on between all three of our campuses uh yep you can applaud for that it's good we use that to support our missionaries, to do missions work both here and abroad. And, this is, and what we ask you to do is when your faith promise story happens to send it into to us so we can share it. We take your name out just to protect your anonymity and your, and your giving. But we got this one just a few weeks back. It says we wanted to share uh, with you our faith promise experience this year. And I, just, I love the honesty in this. Listen to what they say. We've been fairly regular givers, but we've never had a faith promise actually happen. Meaning that they've done a faith promise every year. I was able to talk with them a little bit, but but it never came through. But they said, "You know what? We're not going to give up. We're going to keep doing it every year." Maybe it's not a function. maybe it's a function of not believing or something else, but for us the num- the number never showed up. So, as you know, we're facing a, a serious amount of medical bills in the next nine months. And with that in mind, we've made all sorts of practical cuts like turning off our cable, our home alarm, our cell phone services just to be prepared in advance for what's to come. And in spite of all this, I heard God tell me that this year would be our most generous giving year as a family. Isn't that awesome? They said, how can this be, they write. We wrote our faith promise card, dropped it in the offering a few weeks later, and that amount turned up as a donation from one of our co-workers, plus extra. Come on, so excited for this season of faith that he's called us into. Isn't that great? Come on. So when your faith promise story happens, I hope that you will share that with us. Hey, just a quick reminder too, we uh, do YouVersion every week, which is an app that you can download on your phone, and uh, and you can log into YouVersion. You've got to create an account. It's free, uh, but the sermon is downloaded into that app, and so the notes are in there. Uh, all the verses populate for you as you're scrolling through. Uh, once you create an account, you can save it. You can make notes in it. You can refer to it later. So that resource has been available for about a year now, so we hope that you'll take advantage of that. I think it works for both uh, Apple or Android. So... Well, tonight is kind of the the part two of last week. We do welcome weekends throughout every year, uh, which is really introducing people to who we are as a church, but I love these welcome weekends because it's also a reminder to those who already call City Life their home about uh, hopefully why you're excited about being a part of this church and about what we believe in and what we're passionate about, and so Matthew 13, 52 is the verse that we often use uh, to talk about who we are as a church, and we shared it with you again last week, so let me read it to you one more time. Matthew 13, 52. This is out of the New American Standard. It says, and Jesus said to them, therefore, every scribe who has become a disciple of the kingdom of heaven is like a head of household who brings out of his treasures things new and old. Now, we've been teaching out of this verse for many years now. Four things that we're always gonna be as a church that we pull out of here. That we're gonna be a house of disciples, we're gonna be a house of owners, and we're gonna be a house of new treasures and old treasures. Those are the four things that Jesus uses in this short little parable to help teach us about what church is supposed to look like. And I talked about those last week. I'm not gonna go through them again, but you can get them on the podcast. But just to finish out our last point uh, for tonight, the difference between an old treasure and a new treasure is that new treasures are things that God's asking you to be excited about today, but they might not be things that you're excited about as a church in a few years. It means that there's an a, a expiration date on it there might be certain initiatives that we do. Uh, we joke all the time the kind of music that we're that we're doing. If we're doing the same kind of music five years from now, something has happened to us that's not good, right? That we want to keep moving with the times. Uh, worship is an old treasure. The kind of music that we use to worship is a new treasure. Does that make sense, the difference between those two? So the mosaic, where we were, that was a treasure for us for a time and a season, and now God has moved us to 311 Selden Road. So Church has to understand what's supposed to be an old treasure, something you're supposed to be passionate about forever, and then things that are supposed to be temporary and time bound. So, last week I talked to you about uh, two of our old treasures. One is that God is good, and the other was that you matter. And that's where we spent all of our time. And tonight I want to talk to you about this, this third old treasure that's always going to be a part of who we are as a church. And that's this idea that church. Rocks And there's a little bit of a play on words there that I'm going to give you now. So Matthew 16, 13 to 20, that's a little bit of a recap, so now let's jump in. Matthew 16, 13 to 20, it says, Then Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, and he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets. Now I always find this interesting because there's no frame of reference in the Jewish experience as you read the Old Testament yourself, which was their Bible 2,000 years ago. There's no frame of reference for God raising up a prophet, reincarnating them, and putting them back onto the earth to do a ministry. And I find this intriguing because I think it's a good reminder for all of us. One of the reasons why people had a hard time understanding Jesus is that they were they had a preconceived idea about who God was and how he worked. And when God was moving in a way that, that didn't fit into those preconceived ideas, they were confused. And many of those people were not a part, what God was not a part of what God was doing because of their preconceived ideas. It could be that some of you, you're struggling to have a sense of connecting with God and what he wants to do in your life because you've got preconceived ideas about who God is supposed to be and what he's supposed to do, and that he's operating outside of that, and it's causing you to take a step back when you should be pressing in. Verse 15, it says, then he asked them, this is important, who do you say that I am? See, at some point, your relationship with God has to get personal. Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now, this is where the word play comes in. Now, I say to you that you are Peter, which in the Greek is the word petros, which means rock or small stone. And upon this rock, Jesus says, but then he changes it. In the English language, we've got one word for rock. In the Greek, they had a couple of different kinds of words. So Jesus says to him, and Peter, he says petros, and upon this rock, then he changes that to petra. Now, that's a different kind of word, and I'm going to explain that in just a minute. So he shifts words... I will build my church, upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Now this is for another sermon for another time. But this is the moment in time where Jesus ordains the disciples to expand the scriptures. In the original Greek, the, the, the phrase is binding and loosing. And that was a specific phrase in Jewish traditions that when rabbis would bind something or loose something, it was them interpreting the Mosaic law for practical living. So different rabbis had different interpretations of the old testament and so the practice of binding and loosing was their spiritual authority for teaching people how to live according to scripture so this is the moment of ordination where jesus says to them you've got to step in and we're going to expand the bible which is where the new testament comes from it traces its moment back to here So he says to them, see, because we're reading the English, and he says Peter, then he says rock, and then he says church. But the people that were there that day, that were in that crowd, they heard something different. What they heard was that, Peter, you are a little rock by itself, And then he says, and upon this rock, and when he says Petra, now Petra can mean large rock, and maybe you've heard that before, but I don't think that's the right interpretation of this text. Because what Jesus is trying to help us to understand is how the church is going to be built. Because there's another definition for Petra, which means that it's an outcropping of rocks or a group of rocks that have been joined together. It can be a ledge or a rock face that you were to stand in front of a massive rock wall and you could see all these rocks have been put together, I think that's what Jesus meant, because that's what the church is supposed to look like. And then he says, upon that rock, I'm going to build my church, but the word church didn't exist, and that's a, another sermon for another time. The word he used was ecclesia, and that means a calling out of. It's the same word that would have been used for a public assembly, maybe for a political debate, maybe a community had to come together in the town square to deal with some issues that, of, of, of relating to one another, or disputes. They would call them out, they would come out of their individual homes, and they would come Together to form an assembly ecclesia. So Jesus says, Upon this rock, Petros, this one little rock, I'm gonna put those rocks together, and your life is gonna be joined to this person's life and that person's life, and you're going to build something. And He says, I'm gonna call it the church because that's what it should feel like to you. That God picks you up as a person off of the rock pile of humanity and he begins to join your life together with other people. You're called out of your individuality and you're supposed to be joined together with other people in community. That's what the people heard on Jesus' day. 2,000 years ago when Jesus was giving this sermon, that's what they understood, that's what they saw. So when we say church rocks... We mean it in a literal sense. (laughs) That the the rock of your life is supposed to be joined together with the rock of every other person's life in here and you become something powerful. Listen to Ephesians 2, 20 to 22. Listen to this. See the... The early disciples and apostles, they understood this. That's why they continue with this metaphor. This is Paul writing sometimes later, uh, sometime later, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. It says, Together we are his house, talking about God. What does he say? Built On the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Not just the foundation of their teachings, but the foundation of their lives. That they themselves had allowed God to pull them out of whatever life that they had been living and allowed themselves to be joined together with other people for the purposes of God. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming what? A holy temple for the Lord. Verse 22, for what purpose? Through him, you Gentiles, that's every other non-Jewish person, are also being made part of this dwelling, here it comes, where God lives by his spirit. God wants you to be a part of something that he's building called the church that comes together through people's lives, being connected to each other. And when we come together in community like we're coming together tonight, it says that God's presence is in that place. And so we have a calling and a mandate that God has given to us as devoted followers of Christ to be a part of something that people in the community can come to. And when they come to it, what they find there is the presence of a living God what they find there is not the preconceived notions and ideas maybe that they have about who God is and what church is supposed to be we want to be a church where God's presence is so real and so tangible that whatever preconceived notions and ideas they have about God that are wrong are completely shattered when they stand in his presence see that's what was happening to those disciples They were raised with preconceived ideas and notions about who the Messiah was going to be and how he was going to come. That's why all the people were given all these crazy answers because what Jesus was and how he was ministering was so outside of anything that they expected. But you know what overcame that was the presence of the living God inside of him. They didn't understand everything. As we continue to study the New Testament, we know they made all kinds of mistakes. They were still trying to figure it out, but something overcame all of that for them, and it was the living presence of a God who loved them and had a purpose for their life. That's the kind of church that we want to be. Church rocks. You and I are supposed to be a part of this thing called the church that God is building for the purpose of there being a place where people can come to encounter God. There can be no Petra without a Petros. There cannot be the Petra, the community of the church, without the individuals that comprise it. There can be the idea of a church But the reality of the church that's supposed to be tangible to the community that it's in does not exist without you. So what does that look like practically? How do you, as a person, become a Petras that's supposed to be a part of a Petra? To go beyond the idea. I want to give you three of them tonight. One is this. You must be present. You have to be present. That if you're not present, then there's no... Petra because the Petra is dependent upon the Petras and that's you. So what if when we were getting quotes from companies to put all this new theatrical lighting in this lovely sanctuary and the first company comes in and says, we've got a brand new idea that's going to save you all kinds of money. I'd be like, okay, let's hear about that. We're going to mount the lights to the idea of a truss but we're not going to actually install a truss. The truss is the framework that you see up there and I would say well how's that working for you and they would say well every time we let the light go it falls and I'd say well thanks for coming in to give us a bid and you really shouldn't be drinking on the job and I'm going to call your boss right there's things in life that if someone were to explain it to us we'd go well that's dumb (laughs) who would do that Marvin's taking a team to Haiti to build a school. What if someone came to him and said, I want to be a part of the idea of your team, but I don't really want to go to have to do any of the work. Well, thanks for coming and talking, right? Make a donation. (laughs) What about all those soldiers that we just saw on the screen and stood up? What if one of these soldiers on tuesday when they go back to work they're given a mission and they say to their commanding officer i like the i i want to be a part of the idea of the mission but i don't i don't want to actually be present now we probably can't say what the commanding officer would say in response right to that soldier maybe some of you you want to be married to the idea of marriage but maybe you're not present in the way that you're supposed to be. Maybe you like the idea of parenting, but you don't want to be present in the way that you're supposed to be. Maybe you like the idea of friendship, but you don't want to be present in the way that you're supposed to be. You're like a light that's trying to hang on a trust that's not there. You should not be surprised when it does not work. Church is no different. You cannot be a part of the idea of church. You can believe in the idea of church, and maybe that's where it begins for you, but at some point, you have to be present. If you're not present, then you're not ever the Petras that God intended you to be, because the Petras is supposed to be a part of the Petra. He wants to take your life and join it to the lives of other people so that you can become something that can be a witness to the world so that people can come and experience God's presence. But it does not happen unless you are there. At some point, you have to ask yourself, it has to, it has to get personal. Do I make weekend services a priority? Hey, we're all busy. Come on. Do do. Do I make participating in a ministry a priority? Everybody that calls City Life Church their home should serve at least once a month to make these weekend services happen. I know that there's seasons of life and sometimes health issues that take us out of that. We understand that. But at some point, you have to re-engage. At some point, the Petros has to once again become the Petra. Are you finding a group outside of the church that you can connect into? The men's group that meets here twice a month. They just met this morning. Base camp, right? There's all kinds of groups, life groups. When you go onto our website, showing up to special events. It's not just about baseball and deep fried Oreos, although that should be enough to get some of you out there, right? But it's about connecting your life to other people. And the only way that happens is if you're present. You have to show up. Special events, missions trips, community outreaches. You cannot become a part of this thing called the church that Jesus himself said he wants to build unless you're present. And can I just say the more present you are, the more apart you're going to be. All right, number two. You have to be present. If you're going to go from Petras to Petra, You have to be present the second one is this you have to be patient everybody said ugh right or maybe you thought a different word exodus 20 25 if you use stones to build my altar use only natural uncut stones do not shape the stones with a tool For that would make the altar unfit for holy use. What in the heck is that about? Why does God care? Because God throughout the Old Testament was always telling a story. And it's a prophetic story for something that he was going to do in the future. They didn't have any concept for this thing that he was one day going to call the church, the ecclesia, the called out ones. That was a foreign concept to them. But but God was putting some prophetic pointers in the story of the history of Israel to make us ready to help us understand it. This is the same chapter in Exodus where the Ten Commandments come. The Ten Commandments appear, and then we, we call this uh, 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 chronological context, where, where it falls, right, in, 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 in the timeline of the revelation. So there's the Ten Commandments, and then he gives this teaching on altars. Now, why are those connected together? Because God is saying, even if everybody perfectly follows the Ten Commandments, which none of us are going to do. But let's say for the sake of argument that everybody gets every one of the Ten Commandments right. Can I just say to you, all of us, we're still going to have rough edges. Our personalities, our preferences, our perspectives, our life experiences... God was using the image of a physical altar to be a prophetic picture of the church. He didn't want the stones to be all perfectly polished and shaped just the right way because that's not what being in community with each other feels like because none of us look like that kind of rock. We look like the dirty one that's not shaped the right way. When the person that was building the altar and they handed it to him and he says, what am I supposed to do with this? Give me another one. God says, no, 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 no. You find a way to make that rock fit into the altar because one day it's going to be a picture of my church. Because people are going to come in here, people like me and people like you that have rough edges, that are a little bit misshapen, that still have a little bit of dust and dirt and grime and maybe some stains from the past, from years before. And God says, I can use that person. I can fit that person into community and then I can build something. I can take every one of these Petra says, right? Which I think I just made up a word and make it part of a Petra and it's not supposed to be perfect because we're not perfect but because it becomes something perfect because of the spirit of God that lives in that place. You have to be patient. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, let's jump there. 1 Corinthians 12, I love this. See, Paul introduces to us a new metaphor. He takes a break from the imagery of the rock in the building, and now he introduces the imagery of the physical body to now be a way for us to understand this thing called the church. But he's talking about the same thing. 1 Corinthians 12, 14 to 17. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says... I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand. That does not make it any less part of the body. If the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? Paul is saying here, Be patient with yourself. We're going to see as we continue to read through this, he shifts the perspective of the person that's talking. Here he's focusing in on the perspective of yourself, how you view yourself. When you come into a room, you look around, and this is what you say. You become this person in this text. I can't fit in here. When I look around and I see these people, I see this person gifted in that way, and I see that person gifted in this way. When I've heard this person's story and I've heard that person's story, there's there's no way that I'm going to be able to be a part of this church. Paul says, stop that. Because you play a part that no one else will Because the Petros of your life, the part that you are, the person God created you to be, the story of your life, the giftings and talents that are there that maybe are untapped still. God says, no, 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 no. You are a work in progress. Be patient with yourself. So many people, they show up to churches and then they leave and they say, I could never be a part of that. They're just, they're too perfect. Well, what I would say is, well, you should hang out a little bit longer (laughs) because we're ready to disappoint you. The devil loves to come in and whisper to you, you can't be a part of that. Look how talented those people are. Look how godly they are. Maybe you oversaw some young parent in the parking lot exhibiting grace beyond measure to a child. And you thought to yourself, I've wanted to lock my kid in a closet five times already today and it's only five o'clock. This church is not for me. No, 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 no. Be patient with yourself. You're part of the ecclesia. He's picked you up off of the rock pile of humanity and he's saying, let me make you part of something called the Petra, my church so that you can be a part of something that reveals the presence of a living God to the world. Be patient with yourself. Now he shifts. Watch, watch, how he, watch how he does it. Verse 18. But our bodies have many parts. And God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. Did you see the shift? The first part, the body parts, are looking at themselves in relation to the other part saying, I don't fit in. Now he shifts it. Now body parts are looking at other body parts saying, I don't think you belong here. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you, right? You you see the shift? Why does he make the shift? Because sometimes our problem is not being impatient with ourselves. It's us being impatient with other people. Maybe you're the part of the body that says, I know they're so glad that I'm here. I have so much to offer And I could offer a lot more if that part over there wasn't here. You ever felt that way? You ever had that kind of attitude towards another person? Our church would be a lot better off if that rock was a part of a different wall. That's a dangerous attitude to have. But we've all been there. And if you've not... Your turn's coming. Paul and in the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is saying, don't do that. See, because if you're going to be a petros that's part of the Petra and become a part of the Ecclesia, this thing called the church, you have to be present. And when you're present, you must be patient. You must be patient with yourself and you must be patient with other people. Because both you and the rest of us Are all the work in progress? Now he shifts again in 22, and he gives us the measure to know whether or not we're being patient while we're present. Verse 22. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. It's beautiful, isn't it? All the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for, here it comes, harmony Among the members, so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. If one part is honored, then all the parts are glad. I tweeted this earlier this week. Harmony is not achieved through uniformity, but rather through diversity that is in perfect cooperation with one another. That's how you know. Harmony is not achieved through uniformity. Taking all the rough edges off the rock, getting them perfect and polished and shaped just the right way. God's into art and into beauty, but that's not a part of his church. His church is going to have some rough edges because it's built with people who aren't perfect. And that's why we need each other. Harmony is not achieved through uniformity, but rather through diversity that is in perfect cooperation with one another. I'm going to invite the band to come up as I'm giving you this last one. You got to be public, people. If you're going to be the Petras that becomes a part of the Petra and we come together to be the ecclesia, this thing called the church that God wants to exist in the world where people can come and experience the presence of God, then you've got to be present, you've got to be patient, and you've got to be public. Exodus 12.4 says this, if a family is too small to eat a whole animal, then let them share with another family in the neighborhood and divide the animal according to the size of each family and how much they can eat. What's that instruction about? That instruction was given to the Israelites when the last and final plague was about ready to come through Egypt, and it was the plague of the death angel. And that's where the feast of the Passover comes from, is that the death angel passed over all the homes where there was blood of a lamb on a doorpost which was representative of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ so that the judgment of God would one day pass over us which is where the meal of communion or the Lord's Supper comes from. You see, it's a powerful picture that's given to us because if the lamb that was slain was too big for one family to eat it, then they would come together with other families so that nothing would be wasted. Why is that there? Is it just because God's got a thing for waste? No, no, no. It's a story. It's a prophetic picture of the church because Jesus is the Passover lamb and he's far too big for just any one family. In fact, the church is supposed to, to be crowded with people because the sacrifice of Christ is so great. It should be like we are people thousands of years ago in Egypt saying the lamb we've slain is too big for just us. Would you come and join in this meal? That's what we're supposed to be doing with our lives. We're supposed to be looking around in our neighborhoods and in our workplace and asking ourselves the question, God, Do they have a family, a church family, a place to call home? Because the measure of the life of Christ is big enough for more people in every church. In every church. See, I I get it. My relationship with Christ, you've heard me say this many times, is deeply personal, but it's not supposed to be private. It's not supposed to be private, it's supposed to be public. Because when I'm a Petras that's become a part of the Petra, and now I'm a part of this thing called the Ecclesia, the church, not only am I responsible to find my place, but I'm responsible for helping other people find theirs. You've got to be a person. God wants to give you a voice to begin to reach people. And when they say, oh, I can't come to church, you should say, well, you should come to my church because if you're not perfect, you're going to fit right in. You're going to fit right in. He's not looking for the perfect polished stone. He's just looking for a heart that's honest and a person that's willing to be authentic about the hunger that's inside of them that they've tried to fill through so many other ways and have always come up short. I can just tell you that's a person that's a great candidate for this thing called the church. Your life is supposed to be joined together with the lives of other people. And when you do that, something special comes alive in your heart. You begin to discover part of the reason why God put you on this earth. And when circumstances and trials and situations come to you that seem that are more than you can bear, you make it. You know why? Because you're not just this one rock that's blown about to and fro, but your life is connected to this wall that cannot be moved. It cannot be shaken. In fact, Jesus himself said of this wall that you're supposed to be a part of, this building called the house of God, that not even the gates of hell will prevail against it. Be a part of something like that. Don't wait. Let your life be joined together in a deep and personal and committed way. Stand with me. Father, as we step into this moment of worship, I pray that every person here would be keenly aware of your presence. That tonight, that this place would be a place that you talked about 2,000 years ago where people could come and experience you. You, a living God, And I pray that in this moment that every person that's here that needs to be more present, that you would begin to talk with them about that through your Holy Spirit. And every person that's here that's struggling a little bit with patience, maybe they're not very patient with themselves or not patient with other people, that that you would begin to talk with them about that through the power of your Holy Spirit. And for people here that have been shrinking back and have been resistant to being public and you using them to reach other people. Father, if that person is here and you need to talk with them, I pray that they would feel your presence and hear your voice. And Father, if there's anyone here tonight that's only ever seen themselves as a little bit too broken to be a part of anything, that they would have a sense tonight of you picking them up and you looking at them and saying, I'm going to find the perfect place for you to be a part of. Whether it's here or another church somewhere, God, I pray that they would not live another day as a spiritual orphan. In Christ's name, come on and everybody said together. Amen. Let's worship together.